We welcome personal finance commentator, the founder of Money Gaps, Preet Banerjee, also freshly married, from what I understand. <laughs> that you heard correctly. Okay. Did you make a big deal out of it? or? Uh, you know, it was supposed to be just kind of paperwork, uh, but our families decided to, to show up. We were going to have the big wedding, you know, in a year from now, but they showed up and it was really quite beautiful. I'm, and I'm glad that they did, even though it was against our wishes initially. So it was, it was just great. Yeah, you got to make something of the important mile markers in life, I think. I uh, guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um, no money for Toronto in tomorrow's budget. And there's a number of angles. I'll let you take this anywhere that you want, Preet. But people outside of Toronto who aren't Toronto ratepayers listening to me this morning would probably say, yeah, pay your own bills. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think the big takeaway that I got from reading the story is that there's a pretty big encompassing theme that's emerging that everyone is going to have to deal with. And, and that is that everyone got used to cheap money for such a long period of time that it masked any lack of, of tough future planning for everyone businesses, individuals, levels of government. It's the main reason that we're hearing about bank crises around the world, not so much in Canada, but households struggling with managing mortgages and by extension rents, um, and just the ability of, of governments to manage their finances. Because when we have this big acceleration in rates, you can't borrow your way out of your problems anymore. And eventually you're going to have to solve those problems. And so this pretends a problem whether or not you live in Toronto. This is something that we're all going to have to deal with and that means it's going to be program cuts and whatever new revenue tools they come up with which is just a fancy way of saying you're just gonna to have to start paying for things out of pocket that you used to not before meanwhile sometimes in economics talking about something makes it more likely to happen inflation for example because then people get afraid of prices going up so they go out and mm -hmm. buy stuff preemptively which drives prices up um, mm -hmm. and then there's bank failures and in just talking about bank failures people start to get the jitters and they think maybe I'll take my cash out but the Canadian banking system is nothing it's nothing like the American banking system completely different. I mean, for starters, if you go back to the Great Depression, more than 9,000 U.S. banks failed, none in Canada. If you, and that's one of the reasons why we came up with deposit insurance was it was sort of a U.S. invention because it was a U.S. necessity, and we adopted it here because it made good sense. But even if you go back to 2001, since then, and that was smack in the middle of the tech uh, bubble collapsing, 563 U.S. banks have failed since then, zero in Canada. Like, there's just no comparison. Um, the real reason that I think Canadians should not be worried at all about, you know, confidence in our banking system is really goes down to regulation in the U.S. So after the great financial crisis, the U.S. introduced new legislation that basically said, hey, if you're a bank, we're going to heavily monitor you, kind of like what the Canadians do, because they did so well. And this applies to pretty much all banks, not just the big ones. So if you have more than $50 billion in assets, you're subject to these new tough rules. Well, in 2018, uh, everyone forgot about the banking crisis, and they passed a revision to those laws that said, hey, we're going to move that threshold from $50 billion to $250 billion. Well, there's a lot of U.S. banks that operate in that 50 to $250 billion range, including Silicon Valley Bank, which is the one that went bust. So it's a rollback of those regulations that occurred that really led to these banks saying, hey, we can take a lot more risk because no one's looking. Well, everyone's looking in Canada. There's just no comparison. 
Meanwhile, there's a feature in the Globe and Mail today that I found really disturbing, which is women who have been given a concussion, for example, by an intimate partner who end up in court trying to get custody of their kids. If they admit in court that they've suffered a concussion, then their soon-to-be ex partner will argue that that makes her incapable of parenting. Yeah, this made my blood absolutely boil because you've got these abusers, these domestic abusers who, first off, are abusing their partner. And then when they're going to to, to determine custody because their relationship is um, ending, the other partner typically 80% of the time is going to be a woman, is at this disadvantage because of that prior crime. And so this is affecting the outcomes of these custody battles, which is uh, horrific. I'm glad that this story came out to raise awareness because I had never really thought about that before. And I hope that, you know, something is done to to acknowledge that this is something that happens because this is it's so horrific on multiple levels and we can't allow something like this to continue yeah i mean i'm just thinking the the gall of arguing i gave you a brain injury and now you can't look after the kids because of the brain injury i gave you it's absolutely appalling um what do you make of this story about a Muslim man who was in the Ottawa train station, uh, takes his prayer carpet, goes off into a corner and prays, finishes praying, comes back, and then a guard says, you can't pray here. Yeah, I'm waiting to hear about Via's apparent uh, investigation that they're launching because I looked at the video and based on you know uh, what you said in the reporting that's come out, it seems like someone with a plastic badge is maybe acting without the authority of or the guidance of Via because I mean just this sounds atrocious. I mean, there's so many questions to be answered if this is in fact some kind of policy that they have. Are they going to now ban anyone from practicing any religious act or is it just targeted? Have they ever posted any of these supposed guidelines that the security guard was referring to? And most importantly, will this Paul Blart still have a job at at the outcome of this investigation? <laughs> I think, though, that this is rooted, and I can't speak for the man who picked a fight with uh, the Muslim man who was praying, um, but some people looking at the story presume that Muslim prayer is inherently an, a sort of undermining act or, you know, preparatory to terrorism and stuff like that. So, you know, I've heard from people this morning saying, hey, that guard did the right thing. You got to stop people from that. Wow, that's, uh, I, I, I'm taken aback by that. Uh, I, I'm, on one hand, I'm not surprised that there are some people would say that. I think most people would not agree. But I think this speaks to just how information is being disseminated, how we are being galvanized uh, in emboldening some people to act on maybe these uh, misconceptions. And we see this time and time again, the radicalization domestically of people uh, based on the spreading of information. And um, yeah, I want to see Via come out and follow up on this. Just issuing an apology is not enough. Yeah. Well, I'm not afraid of prayer mats. I'm afraid of tiki torches. Uh, one last quick thing. <laughs> I went to Nordstrom yesterday, and their big day one of the liquidation <laughs> sale was 5% off. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> their liquidation sale, just to put this in perspective, doesn't even cover inflation for the last 10 months. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of liquidation sale that is, but you're basically getting last year's prices. Yay, what a sale. Thanks a lot for this. Always a pleasure. Thank you, John. Preet Banerjee, if you like what you hear, his website is called Money Gaps.